You know, for a lot of things in sports, sometimes you don't find out if you were right about something until, like, years down the road. You know what I mean? Like, you can say something, you can believe something, you can have an opinion on something, but you will never really know whether you were right or wrong until, like, five to ten years. And then maybe, like, no one remembers, or maybe you don't even remember, or, like, people kind of forgot about it, or it's just not relevant anymore. I think Emma Raducanu is not going to have a successful career. But I mean, her being 19 years old? We can really only assess her career, what, like 15 years from now? Realistically, if she even lasts that long at this level. I think winning the US Open did her more harm than good. Someone on Twitter said that. Shout out to them. I agree. It definitely did her more harm than good. Why did it do her more harm than good? Let's just talk about it from a media and, and, and fan perspective, not players or anything. But now expectations are through the roof. All eyes are on her in terms of, you know, uh, cameras, journalists, fans, and, and all kinds of fans. We're talking casuals, we're talking, you know, diehard tennis fans. And a huge, uh, a huge, uh, what do you call it, a demographic, I guess, or um, a huge group or subsection of fans, which are the British fans. Probably the best fans or the worst fans in sports, depending on how you look at it. I said this yesterday as well on Twitter. The worst nationality you can be, if you're a young, rising star is British or English whatever because the the media will not let you go the fans will not let you go for some reason English people have such high expectations for their players their teams their stars no matter their age experience pedigree whatever so not only that I mean Emma Raducanu overnight just just blew up and it's Emirato Kano this, Emirato Kano that. What she accomplished at the US Open last year was absolutely astronomical. Probably the best thing we've seen in recent years in women's tennis. Okay, can it be replicated by anyone else? Probably not. I mean, that's... You know what I mean? That's... That was really good. I mean, I don't know. Like, the only thing she could do better is is um, is beating everyone like six love or something. You know what I mean? But she didn't even drop a set. She made it through qualies at her like first Grand Slam ever. A girl with no, a girl like an actual girl. Um, a girl with no experience playing half these players. Um, which which um place your advantage a little bit because people don't know how to scout you they don't know your tendency they don't have like film or tape on you or whatever and but you have tape on them you know what i mean you you um you know their videos their matches are all over youtube they're well documented they're well covered and you can sort of know what to expect none of these players were tun tuning into any emma raducanu matches before the u.s open she had a little 
little mini run in Wimbledon. Her home slam, I guess, if you want to call it. And she did good. She kind of disappointed the sort of the... You know, with her I can't breathe stuff, her little uh, anxiety attack on the court. It was a little bit too much too soon for her, too quickly. But that's, you know, remember what I said about the British fans and the British media, they'll do that to you. Especially when you're in England, you can't escape it. You know, on home soil, you can't escape it. Obviously the pressure is too much. But that doesn't say much about her character, to be honest, more about the fans and the media in England and sort of the pressure the hype, the expectation, just the spotlight that they put on you. As a 19 or 18 year old probably at the time, which is not good. So it's bad in that sense and it's also bad, let's talk about the players, her fellow, uh, what do you call it, her contemporaries on tour, her adversaries, her colleagues, her WTA colleagues. Imagine you're a girl like Elena Rybakina looking to make take that next step next step as in like I want to be one of the best players in the world and I want to do it now and I want to start winning and beating these players I think she's thir uh, 13th or 14th currently I like her chances to finish well into the top 10 this year easily okay and I think she's well on her way but imagine you're her for a second and you have a chance at center court in a night session to play against a US Open champion. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's no longer Ember Aducano. It's like, I'm going to play against a US Open champion and I'm going to beat her. I'm going to make a statement. Like, it's motivation. No player on the tour is sort of going to look past this or, or look ahead of this. Or not take it seriously, or not show up, or not be up for it. Never. You're Emirat Ukanu. Every single girl on the tour wants to play you. Okay, you have a target on your back. They want to beat you. Not because you're beatable. Not because for them it's like, oh my god, look at me, I beat a US Open champ. That's not why they want to play you. But it's because you're like that. But you're not actually like that. People think you're like that. Okay, so like people aren't gonna look over like like Sasnovich, she's a heck of a player. Sometimes people can sort of underestimate that. You know, or or not not really be up for it or prepare for it like that. It's like, oh I got Sasnovich next round, let's see what happens. But no, Emirat Oh, I got Emiradukanu next. Oh, let's fucking go. Say less. Oh, I'm playing Emma tomorrow? Say fucking less. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not gonna underestimate you. You're a US Open champion. I'm gonna show you what's up. I'm gonna give you my best. Now, poor Emma. Honestly, poor Emma. Because what good did winning the US Open do for her, tennis-wise? Experience? Well, not really. It's like two weeks. Some of these girls have, you know, strung together four or five years or more of solid seasons and tournaments. Okay, two weeks is, is sort of a flash in, a pa in the pen, you know what I'm saying? Experience? No. 
Confidence? I don't see it. I really don't see it. Respect? I don't think so. I think people want a, want a player. Like I said, they want a beater. Like if I was a player, you know, who hasn't won a Grand Slam, and I think I'm better than Emma, I'll let her know. I'll let her know on the court. I'll show her what's up. It's like, oh, you want a Grand Slam? Take this. So she has to deal with that for now. And honestly, poor her. That's not her fault. That's just... That's just sort of how it is. Like, people will look past... Kaya Yuvan. Kalinskaya. Sasnovich, like I said. Some players that are... You know, sort of like no names. Or players that won't keep you up at night. Or players that names, they don't really stand out. They don't really mean anything. But Emma Raducanu? Shoof. Good luck, girl. Because you need it. Your tennis isn't all that. And not only do players look forward to beating you and sort of prepare better and, and, and really show up for this occasion... But it seems like the overall pressure and the expectation has sort of gotten to her. I feel like now she has to be more performative and genuine. Like, oh my god, all these people are watching me. All these, I have all these new fans who are, who are mostly casuals. If you're a fan of Emma, you're probably either English or, or, a, or a serious casual. Like, you don't know much about uh, tennis. Like those, those. That's her fan base, and that, and that, and look, I don't want to comment about people. I don't, I don't like insulting people, but those are her fans, okay? And I don't know why, but it seems like she sort of has this like, like I can't disappoint them. I gotta put on a show for them. Like a lot of her gestures and and her decisions, or her behavior seems to be motivated in the sense that I need to impress these people. I need to put on a performance for them but she keeps losing tennis matches and that all that's all that matters like cute interviews and smiling and shit just won't quite cut it once you've won a grand slam you know what i'm saying it's just not good enough she lost her back in the love 616 Some scholars argue that Rabakina gift gift, uh, gifted her that one game. Maybe, maybe not, but that was the one game she won. And she was smiling afterwards and kind of laughing and giggling to herself. Oh, sweet Emma. It's so nice to see that reaction from her. She's down love 613 and she's smiling. That's so nice to see. No, it isn't. Why is that nice to see? Because, cause, you know, that she can sort of, you know, not be all down on herself. And it's like, oh, well, look, she she's like, oh, lighten up safe. Come on, man. It's her first, first match back. She had COVID. Stop it. Lighten up safe. Come on, man. You're being harsh. 
No, I'm not being harsh, man. Now we're celebrating one, uh, getting on the board. Because look, this, look. Like I said, we will not know if I'm right or wrong for like fifth, 10 to 15 more years. But there, there will be signs along the way, obviously. We, we can like sort of reassess her career. Maybe at the end of every season, we can kind of see how it's going. Like, it looks like I might be right, or it looks like I was totally wrong, but we will never know for sure for maybe some time. Okay? If I was an Emma, Emma fan, would I be concerned? 100%. Would I say I was concerned? Absolutely not. Why? Because, um, you know, they're delusional. If you're a fan of, of Emma, and, like, you stan, you're an Emma stan, and you will die on that hill, then you're probably delusional, honestly. Like, I can't talk to you. I can't say anything to you. You know what I mean? So, like, if, if you think she's good and she's about that, then I really have nothing to say to you. Like, you do you, right? I'm not a hater. I'm, ju I'm just saying. But seeing Emma... Smile and laugh because she got one. She won one game and finally got on the board after ten matches. Like ten matches played, the score is nine-one or, or six love three-one. And she's smiling and and Emma fans loved it. They ate it up. Like oh, it's so nice to see that reaction. Look at her, she's not so hard on herself. It's okay, it's her first match back. Excuses, excuses. So like, if this was like in October, same scoreline, same scenario, it's six love, three love, and she finally gets on the board and she starts smiling and pumping her fists. What would you say then? Oh, look at Emma. Nice to see she... You know, she she's not hard on herself. She's not, you know. She's smiling. She's laughing it off. It's okay, Emma. You go, girl. No, probably not. You wouldn't be saying that. Alarm bells, bro. These are alarm bells. Red flags, they call them. Isn't that a trend nowadays? Red flags? I'm telling you that's a red flag. Safe, I think you're looking too much into it, bro. It's, it's her first match of the year. Okay. Well, we're not gonna know, like I said, for some time. But let's see how this year goes. Well, okay, you know what, Safe? Even if this year goes bad, it's her first real, re it's uh, it's her first real year being a WTA player. She's still getting acclimated to the rigors of the tour. You know, it's her really, it's her first full go around. Don't be so harsh. Okay, whatever. One year. But. There's always going to be excuse with, because it's a precious little Emma. Give her some time, 12 to 18 months. What? 12 to 18 what? Fuck, man. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the safe space. I'm in a good mood today, my energy is up, 
and I'm feeling pretty good even though I don't have a lot of reason to feel that way. And my opening about Emirai Dukanu, which was mostly negative, probably doesn't suggest that, but I'm feeling pretty good today. Thank you for asking, and I hope all of you guys are doing pretty good as well. I love all of you guys, and I love doing this for you guys. Yesterday I disappointed you guys, and, and I was very disappointed in myself. Yesterday was not a good day. And the day before was not a good day either. Quite frankly, this has been a very poor uh, start to the week. Monday and Tuesday, not very good. It is only one day or two days. And if this week ends up negative, which I don't think it will, it's it's only one week. And And last week was pretty huge, so... Unlike Emiratu Kanu, no alarm bells, no red flags, we got this. Okay, I'm, s I'm still confident in myself. Maybe demotivated a little bit. Maybe have to reassess my approach for the rest of this week at least with what I've learned from losing bets. Because remember, as always, when you lose, there is always a lesson. And that's, unless it's on some bullshit, but you know, most of the time you will learn something when you lose a bet and and you can sort of apply what you learned moving forward when you when you place new bets okay today we're strictly gonna talk about tennis players we already talked about Emiro Dukanu yesterday we talked a little bit about Svitolina today we're gonna be talking about more players Irina Sabalenko Jessica Pagula and Novak Djokovic. And as always, we will recap yesterday's matches and preview tonight's matches and sort of see how these two draws are shaping up and, and what to expect for the rest of the week. And by the way, as far as the rest of the week goes, we will have a special Australian Open episode coming up here pretty soon. Okay? So let's get to it. By the way, Safe, why are you in such a good mood today? You seem like you're complaining about a lot of things, and, and this week hasn't been going so well, betting-wise. Why are you in such a good mood? Honestly, because the last tennis match I saw today, Raducanu took a shit on the court, and, and Rabakina slapped her left and right. Am I a shitty person for feeling like that? No, I'm not. You know, the last tennis match you see, or I guess your last bet, or the last thing you saw, sort of... You know, that sort of carries into the next day, right? Maybe I'm a sadist, maybe I'm a piece of shit. But yeah, I enjoyed that a lot. Go Rabakina, man. You know, I don't even care about Raducanu, man. Go Rabakina. I rebranded Safe Smacks on Twitter. And it's now officially... <laughs> Uh, Elena Rabakina fan page with the picture and everything. The cover art for this show is Elena Rabakina. And by the way, it's pronounced Rabakina, not Rabakina. Elena Rabakina. Oh, she's so good, bro. She's so good. But anyway, let's get to it. Let's talk. I guess we'll talk about where we left off yesterday. That was. That was a hell of a match. No Barty in this in, in Sydney, by the way, she withdrew. So I really think R Rabakina is, is really gonna try here. 
try and make a big statement going into the Australian Open. To sort of work backwards, Jessie Pagula, man, we'll talk about her later, lost in straights to Caro Garcia. If you ever lose to a French player, that's not a good sign, especially outside of France. That's a red flag, I think. Alarm bells, for sure. The scoreline seems kind of harsh. Carol Garcia only had only had one break point all match on Pagula's serve, and she got it. That's how she won the first set, 6-4. She had one break point the entire match, and she got it. That's efficient. One of one. She got it. She didn't break in the second set and went to a tiebreak. She won. That's like John Isner style. You know, but I mean, nothing about Carol Garcia is John Isner. But, you know, going forward like that, good for her, honestly. Jesse Pagula, how many break points, how many looks did she have to break against Carol Garcia's serve? Four. She got none of them. Carol Garcia saved four break points. Total points one, 73, Garcia, 68, JPEGs. Jesse Pagula is 0-2 to start the year, just like Svitolina, and just like Sabalenko. Other results to note, Mertens won in her first match of the season in straights, 6-2, 7-6. Mertens is one of them players She's very intelligent, very patient, technically gifted, and she's a you know, very good uh, mover on the court, good mobility on the court. She struggles against the tall players because of their power. That's it. Mertens doesn't have very good power. I believe she's top 15 or top 20. But she's a tough player. She, she's a cerebr cerebral player, I believe they call it. Alexandrova only 6-4, 6-4 against a Japanese doubles player, Shibahara, ranked 600 in the world, 6-4, 6-4, two breaks only. It's not very good. Belinda Bencic in the first match of the year beat the dangerous baseliner, the lefty BHM, 6-3, 6-2, looked very good. Tonight, by the way, she plays a carbon copy of BHM, which I think is, is, is good for Bencic because she just played a player like that, obviously, the previous night, and tomorrow she, she gets the, the same sort of player, so not much to switch up there, just sort of do more of the same. Tall, big players, massive, massive uh, ground strokes, big serves, uh, they got their reach, but obviously they're like statues on the baseline, like Pliskova. Oshian Dodan is the same. Haddad Maya is the same. Tomjanovic, good win? Not really. Is it a good win? I'm not sure, honestly. Gets Paula Badosa tonight. That's. Now that's a match to watch. Ayla Tomjanovic, man, she is. One of those players you can't quite put a finger on her, man. She has so much talent, and every year you feel like, okay, maybe she steps it up now. Like, come on, man, now's the time. But I don't know. This this isn't a good win by any means, but it's good to see her. I mean, 6-2, 6-3 is good. It's very good. 
In the second set, she trailed 3-love, she won the set 6-3. Going to Adelaide, starting with the last thing we saw, Goff back on track, 6-1, 6-2 against Sinyakova. That's a good win, I would say. Impressive. Start to finish, very impressive, very solid. No break points. She didn't ha have to save a, a single break point. She had 24 second serves, only one double fault, that is good to see. First serve a bit low, 50%, two aces, not bad. The players I don't like, I assess them very closely, I watch their games very closely. I take a look at the box score and the stats very closely after the match, see if I didn't... If I missed something, sorry, if I didn't see everything. Okay, I got my eyes on you Coco, I see you. Kalanina Kirstea. Kalanina won in straights. Kirstea was a trap line and I knew it. I said it was. I said it yesterday. Kirstea minus 120 against Kalanina. Something's not right there. Too good to be true, right? I still played it anyway like an idiot. I learned my lesson. If it's too good to be true, don't play it. But sometimes you have to, because it just makes sense. It can go two ways. Yesterday I felt like it made sense. Sori Cristea started off her season, I believe, with a 6-love, six 6-love six win. In the next two matches, she didn't win a set. Okay. Samsonova. Close ma match against uh, Mayor Sharif. one seven six six four. Pretty comfortable in the end. In the Battle of the Rats, Jasmine Paulini beats Storm Sanders 7-5-6-2. That's frustrating. Teichman in her first match of the season won the first set against Lauren Davis 6-1. Led by a break twice in the second set, served for the match. Couldn't hold, lost the tiebreak, lost the match. Lost the third set. Not very good. Yastremska Martinsova. Ugly match overall. Martinsova with a good win. Yastremska showing positive signs, but still not able to play a, a good match from start to finish against a good opponent. Yastremska now ranked outside the top 100. Zidanschik and Watson. Really ugly match. No player wanted to win. No lead is ever safe, apparently. Potapova did, did not hold serve, I think, at all in the match. Maybe like twice. Not sure. Maybe two or three times she held serve. She ha she faced 21 breakpoints, could only save 12 of them. So she got broken nine times. That's not very good. It's not very good at all, fuck. Potapova, man. Potapova, she has young... Look, man, people with anger issues... Like, you gotta be good to have anger issues, you know what I mean? Like, if you wanna misbehave and get angry and cuss and have attitude problems, you better be good. You know what I mean? Like, you gotta be angry for a reason. Because if you suck and you're losing, like, why are you pissed? You suck. Like, this is expected. 
You know what I mean? I mean, Potapova does not suck, but she sure as hell does not... You know, she's not eligible to have attitude problems. Like Djokovic, okay, sure, man. He can cuss. Djokovic, you can do whatever you want to me, baby. You got this, bro. I can't say anything to you, bro. You wanna break your racket? Break your racket. I'll give you my racket. You can break it too, bro, if you're that angry. It's okay. But Potapova, man, she needs to start winning some matches if she wants to have attitude problems. And she needs to get her serve right. I heard that she has a lingering shoulder, uh... Sort of injury or discomfort that's that's really affected her serve and now she's serving differently Maybe that's something she needs to check out maybe Finally Sabalenka and Peterson The craziest the craziest thing I've ever seen honestly from Sabalenka Look man, I hate to say this but I'm not often wrong usually like I see things coming and sort of make a prediction and more often than not, I'm right I'm wrong sometimes, I'm not perfect but you know when I'm right, I'll say I was right and my twitter bio it says ex Sabalenka fan, everyone's surprised well this is why I kinda saw this coming and I sorta anticipated this me and my good friend Dusty, who will make an appearance as a guest one of these days on the show. Me and him are probably the two biggest Sabalenka fans in the world. We love her. We want the best for her. We want nothing but the best for her. But we know she ain't shit. She ain't it this year. This is not her year. And that this was gonna happen. You could just see the signs. I believe it started against Layla. Or maybe in Wimbledon in the semi-final against Plushkova. And then the week after, or, or the tournament after in the, in the North American hardcourt swing also against Plushkova. And then she got COVID, missed Indian Wells. Came back for a couple of indoor tournaments in Europe. Didn't look very good. Indoor hardcore tournaments, that is. Went to Guadalajara. Had all the business, making it to the semifinals. Choked against Zachary. 2022, 0-2. Lost the players ranked 101 and 93. Okay. Lost to, Peter, Peter, lost to Peterson from a set up. 7-5. One six five seven. Sabalenka twenty one double faults yesterday. And in her last four matches, she averages eighteen and a half double faults in her last four matches. Eighteen and a half double faults. Yesterday against Peterson, she had twenty one. Against Kaya Yuvan, she had 18. Back in November in Guadalajara, the WTA Finals against Maria Sakkari, she had 19. 
what do we think? In the previous match against Iga Svojtek in Guadalajara, she won that match. She had 16. Now look, Sabalenka for a large portion of her career in 2021, she did this shit. 50 errors, you know, well into double digit double faults, 40, 45 plus errors, but she was still getting away with it. Players couldn't take advantage. They were either scared, intimidated, or just not good enough. Or maybe Sabalenka was good enough on certain points to, to get it right. But so far this year, that is not the case. And maybe that's why she broke down. I think she feels like other players are aware of her struggles on serve. They're no longer scared. They're no longer intimidated. And they're really bringing the match to her. And if they see her slip up or start to struggle, blood in the water, right? Like sharks. They pounce. I said, alright, if you're not gonna put me away, I'm just gonna go ahead and take this match, alright? Hope you don't mind. I don't think Arena Sabalenka is gonna play the Australian Open. There's a lot wrong there with her. On my Twitter, I shared some videos. You can go and check them out. The thing with YouTube and the WTA highlights or lowlights, whatever you want to call them, they don't show you these things. But say, if you said they don't like Sabalenka, man, they don't give a fuck about her, sure. But they care about their product. And they're not going to show 21 double faults. Okay, on their website. But Twitter, man, Twitter Twitter has everything, bro. The good and the bad. So do check it out on my Twitter if you want to see what Sabalenka got into yesterday with her serves. In the third set yesterday, I believe the score was 3-4 Sabalenka to serve. So they were on serve. Sabalenka was serving, 4-3 down. And the umpire sort of out of, you know, was sort of feeling bad for Sabalenka and could see that she was like struggling serving and asked her like hey are you okay or is everything okay with you like referring to like are you hurt are you injured Sabalenka looked very teary-eyed and said yes I'm fine it's a technical problem I just cannot serve I cannot serve she repeated it like three times no we'll get back to that later let me just just tell you what happened next so Sabalenka was up to serve yeah she had her quickest service hold the entire match, probably the entire week, honestly, against Caillou Van too, or the previous week, the entire year, I should say. She went up, held to love, ace, ace, service winner, service winner. So basically two more aces, but Pedersen that time, you know, got her racket to it, but no return. Technically not an ace. But let's call it four aces. Hold to love. And by the way, this is just after she told the umpire, I cannot serve, I cannot serve. It's a technical problem. And then she does that. Okay. And then, she, you know, that's that's the game. It's 4-4. Peterson to serve. She goes to her towel and starts crying. Like sobbing. Like she was like bawling, you know? It's not just like tears running down the face, it's like she's sobbing. 
And by the way, this is after a hold to love. Like you got broken like with with three double faults in one game and, and you just kind of smiled about it. Like that's what I don't understand. I think something's seriously wrong with her in the head. And we shouldn't make fun or poke fun or laugh about it. But we shouldn't be so disrespectful either and say she needs to seek help. People who say that, they think they're like being nice or, or like that. That's what I hate about woke culture. I call it fake woke. You think like you're so unaware of yourself, like you think you're being nice and, and you're, you're caring. Like it's actually really disrespectful to say to someone, you need to get help, bro. Like that is so disrespectful, man. But the thing is, most people who say that about people who, who like don't understand the full situation, not even that, but they like they're so unaware, like that they, they, you know what I mean, like tone deaf. They can't read the room. They just think they're woke and shit. Be like, oh, you need to seek help. That's actually really disrespectful, man. And you think like you're 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 an angel or something saying that. Okay, don't say that. Yeah, you're probably right though. Like, people saying AB needs to seek help, that is so disrespectful to the man. And that's sort of your approach, like you're saying uh, AB, Antonio Brown, needs to seek help. You're saying that because you're a nice guy and you don't want to laugh about it. And sort of laugh at the situation and, and make fun. But actually, that is more disrespectful, trust me. Just think about that for a second. It is more disrespectful to say to someone, you need help, bro. Just imagine that. Fuck you mean I need help. I'm good, bro. Thank you. I'd rather you laugh about it, honestly. I mean, that's just me personally, but that that is what I think. Anyway, look, I'm I'm kind of getting off track here, okay? A better way to say it is like her head is not right. Okay, she doesn't seem to be enjoying herself. She doesn't look very comfortable. She doesn't look very confident. And Losing isn't fun. Especially when you're the world number two, right? Like, in, her chances of winning are slim. Her chances of winning are slim, sorry. And the chances of her causing more mental damage to herself and harm are kind of high. So if I were her, if I were part of her team, part of this decision-making process, I would tell her, Skip the Australian Open. Get right. Come back stronger. No need to sort of dig the hole deeper and cause more damage, right? Because really most of her losses and her errors and, and sort of the... Her struggles are all self-inflicted. Yeah, Peterson kind of brought the game to her and sort of put the pressure on her, same with Kaya Yuvan. But it's self-inflicted wounds, I mean 21 double faults, crazy misses. The way Peterson won the match, they were on serve. Sabalenka was serving at 5-6. Sabalenka, no confidence, bro. She had three chances to put points away, and that, and that shit sits with you, bro. It lingers in your mind, like, oh my god, I didn't win that point. Or, oh my god, I really missed that forehand. Look, like I said yesterday, double faults, it's a mental thing. 
Like you've been working on this shot since you were four. It's the most basic shot in tennis. Also the more, most important shot in tennis, because without it, you're nothing. Okay, if you can't serve, you can't win, you can't hold. Unless you break 100% of the time and, and win a tie break by breaking as well. Then you can't win if you don't know how to serve. What she knows how to serve, she's won a lot of matches. She's hit a lot of aces. Okay, she's a capable player. We can't say, oh man, she doesn't know how to serve. Then you're just being an idiot or you're making a joke, which is okay, we can laugh about that. Like, yeah, at the moment, her serve has abandoned her. But it's a mental error. It's purely a mental error. It's, a, it's like a mental block. It's a mental hurdle at the moment for her to serve. She needs to overcome that. And that's why I suggest some time off. One more thing I want to say about this. Can you imagine if ESPN gave a fuck about tennis and didn't just obsess over American sports? Like imagine ESPN like First Take or something, or Sports Center. they got their hands on this Arena Sabalenka debacle. Could you imagine the field day they would have ESPN talking about this? This might be bigger than the Antonio Brown thing. If I'm being honest, they would have a field day. They talk about it for months. My God, man! Someone, someone, email ESPN that video. Tag them on Twitter or something. I might do it. Or they might, they might shut down their studios for a week just to gather film and shit. You know, especially with like football wrapping up slowly, slowly. They might run out of content. Someone tell them about Arena Sabalenka, bro. They'll... Woof! They'll eat that shit up, bro. I hate ESPN, man. Now we move on to a controversial topic. Novak Djokovic. You and your mom and your neighbor have probably heard about what's going on with Novak Djokovic and his medical exemption, and his visa, and his vac- you know, lack of vaccine. In my books, he's the greatest Australian Open player of all time. In my books, he's the greatest men's singles player of all time. He's the best player to ever play at the US, uh, Australian Open. And I think the best no Novak Djokovic over the years is the one that has played in the Australian Open. A lot of people don't like Novak, or Novax, as they call him. They call him Novaxine now, that's his name, not Novak. It's Novax. It's kind of funny, actually. But the thing with Novax is that... They turned this whole situation into politics. Why don't you talk about it? I don't really uh, want to talk about politics. This is not a political show. And I like to stay out of politics. Oh, Safe, you like to stay out of politics, huh? You don't like to talk about politics? That means you're probably privileged and, and, and you know, if, 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 you know, people who don't talk about politics, it means like they have nothing to worry about in their lives, you know, because you're a privileged fuck. No, actually. Thank you very much. 
I don't like to talk about politics because I honestly believe that there's nothing we can do about it. You know, but it's important to spread awareness. You you gotta you gotta speak up and speak out and stand up for yourself. That does nothing, man. I'm sorry. I, I look, man. I'm 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 really not this pessimistic pessimistic, but I'm I'm trying to make you un understand things here. There's nothing we can do. You know, governments and world leaders and whatever crooked, corrupt motherfuckers that that run this world and and control almost everything and and you know have all this power and make all these major decisions they're not gonna change your minds because you tweeted something they're not gonna change your minds because you went on change.org and made a petition and 16 people signed it which includes your mom and your neighbor they're you know they're they're not gonna change anything over that and that that pains me to say as people, there's very, very little we can do to change things. Okay, as far as politics go. Which is why I, you know, there's no point arguing. There's no point getting angry. There's no point sort of protesting or, or saying this or saying that. I mean, I know it's worked before. I know people, there's like been revolutions and, and protests and... And I don't know what, people coming together and speaking out like we've had enough, this needs to stop, this needs to change. Like, yeah, sometimes it works, but in a general sense... Like me and you, there's nothing we can do, really. And this Novak situation... It's not tennis related. It's not visa or immigration related, either. And quite frankly, it's not COVID related. They don't really, really care about COVID and, and player health and shit. I mean, like, you know what I mean? It's just like paperwork. You know what I mean? Like, people test, like, positive and, like, you know, like, PCR tests, whatever. Like, like they don't really care. They just want to cover their asses to not have liability. Be like, oh, you let non-vaccinated players come, huh? You let positive... Like, that's... They, like, you know what I mean? It's all politics. It's all this whole Novak situation. It, it's all politics. They're trying to make a statement, make an example out of him. Okay. Um, court ministers. Oh, but safe. You know what? Novak isn't bigger than the sport. He isn't bigger than the pandemic. Bro, yes, he is. Cause at the moment, Novak is men's tennis. Especially in Australia. Like, he is everything. One of the reasons why the ATP Tour is, is like, still generates, like, so much pull is because in the Grand Slams, those players, like, really show up. And, that, and that's, that's one thing. You know, like I said, disadvantages and advantages of the ATP Tour versus the WTA Tour. The WTA Tour is very wide open. You never really know what's going to happen, as you saw with Amaradu Kanu winning the US Open. As far as that goes, it's wide open. And, and, and in that sense, it's exciting. I guess that's an advantage. You never really know what's gonna happen. And for some viewers, or you know, generally speaking, that's exciting. You can't really anticipate or predict anything. But it's also a disadvantage, because you know, when Grand Slams come around, you're watching a bunch of no-names in, in the semifinals. 
the 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 final four players at the French Open. Zidancic, Tamara Zidancic, Pavlichenkova, Krijikova, and Sakari. Every single one of those players is unwatchable, in my opinion. And that kind of sucks. I mean, this is a Grand Slam. This is the French Open. You wanna, you wanna see bangers. You wanna see big names. You know what I mean? And on on on, on the flip side, the ATP Tour, the French Open was unbelievable. Final four, you got Novak. You got the world number one. You got Zverev, Tsitsipas. You got Nadal. You get the big names. And yeah, look, you're never gonna see like a. Like, there really is no dark horse in, in, in the men's Grand Slam, which is a good and bad thing. You don't, you're, you don't really want to watch them over Novak, Nadal, Tsitsipas, Verev. If, if that's a, I would rather have that as a Final Four at a Slam. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Botek van de Zanschulp, he can only go so far until he loses. You know what I mean? Like, Nakashima or Car Carlitos Alcaraz, they can really only go so far until they lose to one of these players. So the ATP in that sense, the final four, it, it's a spectacle. It always delivers. You know, quarterfinals onwards, it's the big boys. It's the big names, the big sisters, and, and you know, the big three. And it's good in that sense. Even though you know who you're gonna get, you know, you know the names that are gonna be in the mix. So it's not exciting in that sense, but it's exciting because it really is the best players and you do get that big spectacle. And that's what Grand Slams are all about. Okay, like you do want to see the big names. I mean, I do. I know some people would rather the, the parody, the, un the, un the unlikely players making it there. Okay. But it doesn't happen in the men's. Because honestly, outside the top 10, everyone sucks. Like this year's Australian Open, I think, you know, it's a Medvedev Djokovic final. Number one versus number two. That's a bit of like a new rivalry. Because at the moment, that really is the big three. At the moment. Medvedev, Zverev, Djokovic. Tsitsipas is on the outside looking in. But those that's the new top three. For the women, all eight finalists in last season's Grand Slam were all different. Off the top of my head, I believe it's Osaka Brady at the Australian Open. French Open was Pavlichenkova Krzykova. Wimbledon was Barty Pliskova. And US Open was Leila Emma. So obviously all unique winners and all finalists were different. The only consistency is that there was a Czech player in the final four of every Grand Slam. Those girls are repping. And I believe it's a different girl in every one. At the Australian Open, it was Mukova. She made the semi-final, lost to Jen Brady. At the French Open, obviously it was Krzykova. She won the thing. At Wimbledon, it was Pliskova. She reached the final. I was wrong, I lied to you, US Open, there was no Czech chick in the final four. The final four, Leila, Emma, Sabalenka, and Zachary.
Moment of silence for Sabalenka and Zachary. Okay, but that's... Look, that's a good and bad thing. There's parody in the WTBA. A lot of people like parody, but then they don't like parody at the same time. What parody is, is that everyone has a chance. The field is even. There is no front runner. There are no dynasties. Okay. Barty seems like she's about to ruin the parody of the WTA. She clearly seems to be the cre the uh, how do you say it? Cream of the crop. Creme de la creme. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. But but you know you know what I'm saying. I don't know what I'm saying, but you know what I'm saying. You know Alabama football. You know. That's a dynasty they lost yesterday. For some people, that's that's good. They want to see new winners. They want to see new teams in the mix. The Patriots, for the longest, were a dynasty. Tom Brady, that's what he does. For a minute, the Warriors were a dynasty. Every year, you knew you'd see the Warriors in the final. As of late, there have been new teams in the mix. Giannis and the Bucks. Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and the Suns. Miami Heat. LeBron is still in the mix, but not really. Personally, if I had to choose between parody or no parody, dynasties or no dynasties, I would go for dynasties. At the end of the day, I want to see the best players compete, honestly. You know, these American sports leagues, they have the, the draft system to sort of encourage parity like the worst team gets the first pick so the worst team gets to pick who they think is the best player coming out of college to so they can improve their team you know what i mean so that's the the, the best teams don't get better even though they somehow do because you know good players want to play there everybody wants to play there But there are, you know, some measures in place in these leagues, the NFL, the NBA, to encourage parity, to promote parity, to make the worst teams better so the, you know, the, the playing field is more even. You know, it's less top-heavy. Which is good. I like that system. That's, that's good. That's probably the only good thing about American sports is they sort of have that draft system. Or the farm system or whatever. But in tennis, man, at the Australian Open, you need no Novak's Djokovic there. Forget the pandemic, forget the politics, let the guy play. Why are you upset? He didn't even win yet. You know he's gonna win, that's why you're upset. And he loves it. He hasn't even started and you're already upset. Imagine he takes center court and start winning. He loves it. And you hate it. And he loves it. He loves that you hate it. Because you have to hate it. Because he wins all the time. He's, he, he wins every single time. So of course you have to hate it. But he loves it. He feeds off that energy, bro. He can play as a villain. He is the main character. And the main character in this movie is a villain. 
No Batman. No Superman. No Iron Man or Spider-Man or, or, or any of those mans. It's the Joker, bro. He's a villain. Okay, really quick. Let's preview tonight's matches. I'm going to try and only touch on the matches that are relevant or that feature at least one good player or is an interesting matchup. Okay. So, I think the first one we got to talk about is Kvitova and Ons Jabor. Now, Kvitova is 3-0 against Ons Jabor. Kvitova not looking very good to start the year. Had to really work to get her first, first win of the year against Arangstarus. Very close in three sets. Lost a very close three-setter. First match of the year last week in Adelaide to Priscilla Hahn. Ons Jabor yesterday or the day before, first match of the year, routine win against Asra Sharma. Not much to take away fr uh, from there. But Kvitova has beaten Ons three times. Maybe Ons doesn't deal well with lefties. Ons doesn't really have uh, good baseline shot making, especially if Kvitova is making her shots. Of course she should beat Ons. Ons is all about slice and dice and being crafty and, and but if you don't let her play on her own terms you can punish her if you're Kvitova. That is interesting. I think the line is fair, but it is a 50-50. But I would make Ons a slight favorite, but I think plus 150 for Kvitova is fair, might be worth a look. Ekaterina Alexandrova versus Garbini Muguruta. Muguruta, one of two players who have not played yet this year that are playing this week. The other one is Krujikova. Both Muguruta and Krujikova have not played this year, so this is pretty exciting. They had buys in the first round, being the top two seeds, because Barty withdrew. So here we are. Head to head is one and one. Muguruta should crush her. Alexandrova, very unimpressive so far uh, this year. Yesterday's win versus Shibahara. I wasn't liking it. Muguruta. You know, Muguruta is all about those practice mixtapes. Check out her Instagram. Check out her YouTube. Her coach's YouTube. Her coach's Instagram. She always puts together like little mixtapes of her practicing. She looks so, so good, bro. So scary. All the time. I know it's only practice, but it, it kind of... Like, I always like what I see there. And let's not forget, Muguruza to end of the to end the year was the hottest player in the world. Literally, queen queen of the tour last year. The way she ended it, just amazing. Okay, and I think she can sort of ride that wave here. World number three at the moment. Okay, world number two is Sabalenka. Muguruza might be coming for that. Kasatkina and Mertens. Uh. We talked about this a little bit. I don't really like it. As far as what I'd play here, I think Kina is the side. But I'm not going to make a mistake and make a bad bet and bet on a bad player. So as far as the side goes, it's it's Kina or pass. I don't think Mertens is the right side here. But I'm going to pass because I don't bet on bad players. That's how you should sort of, you know, approach matches like this. I think the over looks good. Bencic, like I mentioned, she plays Dodan today. She should absolutely crush Dodan. Bencic, Bencic is hit 10. 
Don't that lucky loser in the first round played against the qualifier and she's here today? Um, don't like Doda. Not a good matchup for her against Benchich, who can out hit her and and kill her with variety and and can honestly match her power from the baseline. Krzykva first match of the year against Christian. Really ugly matchup to be honest for both players. Christian has no power, and if Krzykva isn't missing, she'll have absolutely no answers for her. But it's Krzykova's first game back and she is sort of error prone sometimes and she's most definitely a rhythm player. And with this being a first match of the year and Christiana already playing three matches, this might be worth a look. Caro Garcia versus Rybakina. Rybakina is, is, is the move right here. There is no way Caro Garcia strings two good performances in a row, especially against Elena Rybakina. By the way, I said today we'll be talking about Jessa Pagula. We didn't have enough time, so don't worry. We'll, we'll be getting to that later. But Eleanor Rabakina here, that is the move. Honestly, that these lines are pretty generous. Rabakina is capable of beating anyone not named Bardi. It's like 6-1, 6-2 right now. So I think Rabakina is playable. The headliner and Sydney Badosa Tomjanovic. Now look man, I don't like either one of these players, I don't rate either one of these players games. The right side to back? I'm not sure. I think this is tough, it's it's an ugly game, but these players are, are anything but ugly. So like you kinda wanna tune in, you kinda wanna watch, you kinda wanna bet it. So. I'm going to use these next couple hours to sort of think about this. But if I'm being honest, this is a really ugly game. If these girls were like 5s or 6s instead of 10s, I probably would not even acknowledge this match. Let alone bet it. Okay. To go to Adelaide real quick. Um... Not the most exciting of matches, probably Marta Kostyuk versus Koku Goff, the most exciting of the matches. Goff looked good against Sinyakova, Sinyakova couldn't really hang. So it's really a matter of Marta Kostyuk, can she hang? Koku Goff, like, she tries hard. You know, she's always, like, playing every match like it's a Grand Slam final, but... Once she has to deal with adversity, that's when she sort of becomes an average player and sort of turns into Choco. Okay, so that's something to explore. Kostchuk definitely has some tools to, to cause Coco uh, problems if she serves well. Um, and Kostchuk works hard too, doesn't really give up. And she's looking very fit. Samsonova, Parises Diaz. I like Perez's Diaz here. I think she makes the semi-final. She beats Samsonova today. She beats either Keys or Martinsova in the next round in the quarterfinal. She she makes the semi-final. Speaking of Martinsova and Keys, I like Martinsova. This is an unreal price. Keys getting a lot of respect for beating Svitolina. And similarly to Caro Garcia, I think it's unlikely that Madison Keys strings together two good matches in a row. Something to consider. Martinsova might be the dog of the uh, dog of the day here. And on that note, that's all for today. Love you guys.
peace, take care. Yeah, yeah!